I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. It's that time of the year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at BetOnline. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of your opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and use the promo code NFL 100. Patriots B podcast here on this Tuesday evening now, 6 p.m. start time for us. This is becoming a pretty regular time for the show. Sometimes we do it at 4. Tonight we're going to do it at 6 like yesterday. And before we get into football, I just want to throw out there that Alex and I are both dealing with some crises off the air. Uh, me with a particular furniture company that I'm going to leave out. Alex with a particular car dealership that he can choose whether or not he wants to stay. Right, well, let's get everything set. First, and then I may or may yeah, not. Yeah, my end too. I need to get my furniture before I start reaming them out on the air. So if we get a little bit feisty in this show today, it is a hundred and ten percent to do with those instances. We're looking for we're looking for a fight. So. We'll we'll see how this goes. (laughs) This could go off the rails very quickly. But out there today at Patriots practice this morning, Tuesday morning, Patriots head coach Bill Belichick spoke to the media before practice. And as you would anticipate, in typical Belichick form, he deflected questions, dodged questions, whatever phrase you want to use on quarterback Cam Newton and his ongoing COVID situation. And... I thought there were some answers from Bill today, Alex, that were maybe more telling than what he was trying to lead on. And and maybe he was dodging things and he was obviously trying to deflect back to that statement that the team made Monday and refer back to that statement with pretty much every answer that he gave. But they were able to get a little bit out of that, right, in, in this uh, in this press conference today. I think the biggest answer from Belichick in regards to Cam was he was asked directly, is this a competitive disadvantage for Cam Newton that he is not going to be able to practice due to the COVID protocols? And he said, of course, it's a competitive disadvantage. Why else do we practice, right? We practice to get better, and he's not out there, so if we – couldn't gain anything from practice, then why would we do it? So that was a pretty obvious answer, but I guess a confirmation from the coach, it felt like a little bit that this does put Cam in a peculiar situation. He also mentioned that this was a huge week for Mac Jones. He he, he straight up said that. It is. Straight, and I, was, I was a little taken back. I was like, really? Like, I did double right. check. Somebody so, said, just, is this a, a bigger opportunity for Mac Jones? He said, it is, yes. Period. Stop. End of sentence. Full answer. Is this a bigger opportunity for Mac Jones? Yes. The other thing he said, are you good? Because I yes, just kind of got up there. Okay. The other thing he said, let me pull up the transcript to make sure I get it um, correct because I, the devil's in the details here with this one because I get an email from the car dealership. I don't know if people can see how red my eyes are. <laughs> um, it's bearing the, the, the transcript. I don't know. All right. Anyway, I don't know where it is. Um, here it is. 
he was asked about Newton's status for Sunday. Right. And he kept saying, I don't have anything to add to the statement. When he was asked about the previous questions, is Cam healthy? I don't have anything to add to the statement. Um, do you expect Cam to be back on Thursday? Yes, if that's a time frame based on the statement. Uh, statement, statement, statement. Somebody says, will Cam Newton, or is the plan to play Cam Newton in Sunday's game against the Giants? And he said, I don't have anything to add to that beyond the statement. There's nothing in the statement beyond Thursday. Thursday, right. right. So, and I had Jim McBride on my 98.5 The Sports Hub podcast today, 98.5thesportshub.com. And what he said, and he's somebody who's generally pretty on the ball when it comes to Belichick. And he said, and this struck me, if Cam can't play Sunday, and maybe they feel like he hasn't had the reps. And remember, this isn't any preseason game. This is the dress rehearsal. So they are treating this like a prep week. And if they are going to treat Cam Newton's absence like an injury, which Bill sort of alluded to, starting quarterback doesn't practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, perhaps not Thursday. That court or any player, that player's probably not playing on Sunday. Right. And if Cam Newton doesn't play on Sunday, then there's a conversation. So we will see. I I kind of didn't think of it because I'm still in the mindset of preseason. Eh, he's going to play on Sunday, whatever. But if he's not ready, and he's still a part of things virtually, but if they feel he's not ready, Mac's going to play. It's going to be Mac and Hoyer. So it, it'll be interesting to see what Cam Newton looks like on Thursday, just how ready he looks. Coming off the heels of that Mike Giardi report, I think Mike tweeted that out that the team is internally that was just a little, before a little bit frustrated. It was yeah. right before Belichick took the podium, and then he gets to the podium and he says, "This is a big week for Mac to basically audition and have this opportunity without Cam out there on the field." That Cam is behind the eight ball now this week, essentially, is what he's saying because he didn't go out and practice this week, and. I think that all these types of things that you hear are definitely expressing at least a little bit of frustration publicly with Cam Newton. Now, maybe not with Cam Newton directly. Maybe this isn't about Cam. Maybe this is more about the protocols and the league and getting tripped up and all of that. So certainly you can deflect blame from Cam in any way that you want in that respect. But in terms of the situation as a whole, Belichick definitely seems a little bit ticked off that the Patriots are without their starting quarterback this week, especially as we've talked about so much, Alex, joint practices, joint practices, joint practices. Well, you have two golden opportunities against the Giants in joint practices, and then there's a lot of uh, coaches that have come out the last couple of days and said that they plan on treating this third and final preseason game like a third and final, like the third preseason game every other year and playing their starters at least the first half, some teams even saying they might play into the second half. So basically the dress rehearsal for everybody is in week three of the, of the preseason now, because there's two weeks of layoff between the preseason games, the start of the regular season. So there's plenty of time to rest up and get ready for week one. So now it feels like the dress rehearsal game is this third and final game. And Cam, as you said, Alex might not be prepared to play in that game. Yeah, and, and I'll, I will add this to kind of backtrack a little bit to what you just said about, you know, Bill being frustrated. And if we just read into the context, Patriots knew. They right. had known this whole time this was a possibility. I kept, you know, it was the, um, you know, the meme where it's like Pikachu, right? Yeah. It's supposed to like, like ironic shock, like, you know, Cam Newton, not vaccinated. Cam Newton has to quarantine for being not vaccinated. The Patriots, right? Somebody's going to screen grab that. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, you know, they, they had to know this was a possibility. Maybe he's frustrated with the league protocols. I don't know, but 
you know, does the, you know, we all know certain things are possibilities. We do them anyway. And sometimes it's, you know, that slap in the face and it becoming reality that makes you change your mind. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, no, I, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens from here on out. Cause if they are legitimately frustrated with him and with him, right. Giardi said that they're frustrated. We don't know what they're frustrated with. Right. And it sounded, and I want to make sure that we're clear that the press conference right. this morning, same thing, right? He's it seemed frustrated. Belichick seemed frustrated. That doesn't necessarily mean that he was frustrated with Cam. I think, he, I think what Giardi said, I should, I should just pull up his tweet, right? I think he used the term. Here it is. Um, loading, loading, loading. There is a level of, quote, there is a level of frustration internally with the Cam Newton situation. Right. The Cam Newton situation. So, I mean, we could sit here. We're not two to six on 98.5. We could sit here and and break down what does every word of that mean? What does situation mean? Right. Right. What does the mean in this context versus that context? Uh, But clearly they don't like what's going on. And the reality is if you don't like what's going on, you want to change it. There's two things that, you know, the rules are the rules. So you have to change Cam's vaccination status or change Cam being your starting quarterback. Those are the options because you're not changing the rules. Not this year. Right. So before we get into putting Mac Jones and anointing Mac Jones as a starting quarterback, Mac Jones obviously needs to earn the starting quarterback job. Right. And I finally got my hands on the all 22 for the Patriots offense, the coaches film today and looking at From Philly. From Philly, yes. Today's practice. Right, yeah. (laughs) I wish. Uh, From Philly, right? And Cam Newton, on his couple of series that he played, especially that second and third series, the short first one was the really short one after the fumble. The second and third series that he played, that was the best Cam Newton's looked, maybe as a Patriot, full stop, right? I mean, it was really, really impressive tape. Going to the right places with the football, manipulating coverage down the field, knowing where your answers are, mechanically tied together. I mean, it was the whole package. Now, granted, it was against backups, yada, yada, yada. I get all that. But Mac was also against backups in that game and has been against backups a lot in training camp as well. So you see a really tied together, a really thorough and efficient Cam Newton against the Eagles. And it is a bummer that now Cam is dealing with all this and is put in this situation by his really by his own account, right? Cause he, no one forced him to not get the vaccine. Like no one's forcing him to get the shot. Right. So this was, this was a bed that he kind of made it to a degree, but Mac Jones needs to go out there and earn it. And I'm not saying he hasn't, but today out there at practice, Alex, just to segue into what we actually saw on Tuesday morning out at practice, did you feel like today was a day where Mac earned it? Because he definitely was better than yesterday. The two interceptions kind of put a damper on things just a little bit, but certainly a much better performance from Mac Jones today than what we saw on Monday. Yeah, buckle up here in the chat because I've kind of become the anti-Mac Jones guy, even though I've been banging the table for Mac since October. <laughs> uh, Mac was great today. I yeah. thought this was, I don't know if it was the best day he's had, top three for sure. And, you know, the interceptions I don't think were his fault. Uh, at least one of them definitely wasn't. One of them, J.C. Jackson just made a really good play, getting inside Gunnar Oshevsky on a slant. Right. Rookie quarterbacks get beat by star corners. That happens to every rookie quarterback. And, you know, he should make that throw. He made the right read. He made the right throw. He got beat by a better play. The other one, it seemed like there was a miscommunication on the route. The ball is a little behind Gunner, but I'm not sure Gunner ran the route where he was supposed to, just based on where everybody else's routes were, right? I, right. I'd have to show it to really so explain it, was- but- 
It was a mesh crossing concept you where want you to explain both, it. Go ahead. Both yeah. crossers going like a this in the shallow, right? So you yeah. have the two crossers over the middle. They've ran this concept a bunch. So I would assume that's something that Mac is really comfortable with from Alabama. And it looked like he held on Johnny Smith's corner route a little bit. And he was actually talking to Johnny Smith after the play and felt like maybe he thought Johnny was going to do something just a little bit different to give him a chance to throw that ball. And it didn't end up happening. So then he comes back to the shallow cross from Gunner and he's a little late. He's a little behind it. Now the adjustment that maybe he thought that Gunner was going to make to kind of provide context, Devin McCourty was sitting outside the route. JC Jackson was sitting inside the route. So instead of continuing across the field into Devin McCourty, Maybe Mac thought that Gunner was going to sit it down, right, and just right. stay right there in between the two defenders. That's not necessarily the way the play was drawn up, but in the Patriots system, you never run into into coverage. You never want to run into right. a defender's zone. So maybe that's what he thought, and that's why he threw the ball where he threw it. But, yeah, off Gunner's hands into Devin McCourty's lap. Looks like it would, would have been a pick six, even if there was live tackling, because Devin was yeah. gone. When, I mean, we know – we all know how Devin McCourty can take off. It's right, a really right. beautiful thing to see. But yeah, I, you know, I thought Mac was great. There was one period and this was, so today's reps weren't padded. And sometimes we talk about the non-padded practice being less competitive. It was pretty competitive today. It was as high yeah, speed and non-pads as you're ever going to see. And for what you lose in non-pads, the fact that, so the, the part of practice I'm talking about, at one point he was 18 of 19. I think he finished 30 of 37. Okay. But yeah. at one point he was 18 of 19 and most of that came during two minute drill during, you know, two minutes on the clock. He had X number of timeouts. He's using the sideline. He's going here and there, both drives during that stretch. And some of it wasn't two minute drill, but both, there were two full two minute drill drives during that 18 of 19 stretch. He scored touchdowns on both of them and that raises the intensity. So where you don't have the same contact, right? Without pads. I still see their quality reps because maybe he's not competing against a defense that's going 100%, but he's competing against a clock and the clock is what the clock is. You know, right. they're not, they're not using, you know, one Mississippi and a half to count seconds. The clock is what it is. So yeah, I thought Mac and, and, and his command just, I, and I was talking to Mike Reese about this at practice, the difference in Mac's voice between. Oh yeah. That's definitely the beginning of camp. That. And now, and when I say his voice, I mean, Ready, you know, I'm not going to do yeah. it right now because I'm going to feel like an idiot. But or he doesn't say ready. He's alpha go. Please do. Yeah, the Patriots use alpha. alpha go. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They used, they didn't always they used to use I 90 or mm-hmm. I, I something, I 20. They, um, they've used alpha go for a long, long time since I really started breaking down the tape going all the way back to Brady. Five or, five or six years. Brady yeah. used it. There was one with an I with Brady. That was early Brady. But anyway, yeah. like his alpha go, the way he, you know, the way he's making commands at the line, he's moving people around now, right? He's like, right. John, to move over a little bit. You come here, right? Right. Um, night and day. Night and day from the start of camp. So, and, and I thought it just kind of all came together today. And again, everybody, I said this yesterday on the show. I think everybody was looking at Mac to have that day where, okay, so Cam doesn't show up and now Mac balls out. Okay. Like everybody wanted that moment. We didn't get it. I don't think Mac was bad yesterday. He wasn't good. He wasn't bad. He was was his best day? Was his worst? It was in the top half. It was okay. Right. Today was more so the day I think people wanted him to have yesterday where, you know, Cam's not there, Max the number one, and he takes it and runs with it. Wasn't perfect, 
I, I don't know that it was his best day, but it was top three, and he was freaking good today. Yeah, if he exactly if he continues to stack these positive days together and plays like he did out there on Tuesday, then that's going to allow him to gain ground on Cam Newton, whether or not Cam Newton is out there or not. Right. And tomorrow against the Giants, you said it yesterday on the pod. One of the biggest training camp practices in a this long might time. Be, I, Matt, I originally said this to my friend as a joke. And the more I think about it, the more I think it's true. Huge. In terms of an individual practice and individual and going in, there's been practices that walking away were monumental. We all right. remember when that, that Bucks lineman fell into Brady's knee and whatever right. that was, 2015, right? right? Yep. Heading into the practice, in terms of the anticipation for an individual practice, this may be the biggest training camp practice in Patriots history. It's massive and, because it's another it, yeah. defense, right? It's a, it's a different defense. It's, it's all so unique. It's right. all so unique. And, yes, the defense is part of it. Right. It's a different defense. He's going to go up against the Giants starters. He's going to get the, all the reps because Cam isn't out there. So we're going to see a ton of – today he attempted, I think, 30 – Nine passes, was it? I had him 30, or Matt Dolph, I use his numbers, had him 30 for 37. Everybody had slightly different numbers. Because some yeah. people, he, he spiked the ball a couple times. Some yeah, so I, that. right, and I, 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 took the a few, I, I took a few throws that I felt like the, that they weren't going full speed at. So I, okay. I had him 29 to 34, but whichever way you want to slice it, 30, let's call it 30 to to 40 throws today, right? Just to make it a, a big number, uh, a big range there a little bit. And tomorrow he'll probably throw just as many passes with pads on against a defense he's never seen before, against a, a, a defense that should be okay. I don't think the Giants are going to be a top five defense by any means, but I think okay. we got some but, pieces. Yeah. And uh, when you see all of this – out there today, I think the the biggest thing that stood out today and it continues to stand out with Mac is just his ability to understand what he's looking at pre-snap, right? He has a really good feel of the cadences, the motions, uh, the movements by the defense pre-snap. And today he was out there and on the right side of the formation, you have an overload blitz stacked on the right side. And the, right. he knows that the blocking is going to block down towards the overload side to make sure that they account for everybody. But on the back side of the formation is Josh Uche. And if Josh Uche comes off that backside, sometimes they'll drop that backside edge defender into coverage to replace a linebacker that's coming in in the blitz. If that, if Josh Uche blitzes off the edge mac knows he's hot he has to throw hot because there's nobody blocking him right Right. he's gonna be an unblocked rusher and he has the wherewithal already to understand that okay my line's blocking down this guy's gonna be unblocked if he comes i gotta throw hot josh uche comes off the edge uh sony michelle peels off into the flat on a little swing route and mac tosses it out to sony michelle for a completion and beats the bliss with with his mind and with his arm Right. And you see those two things and you say, wow, that that's good quarterbacking. The other thing that you saw from him today was the dime to Jacoby Myers in the slot early midway through practice, even got a fist pump out of Josh McDaniels. Right. And Wait, what is you, this? Is this the touchdown? Yeah. The touchdown okay, to yeah, Myers. Yeah. yeah. And Play the day. when you look at that throw and 
I'm pretty sure. I'm not 100% sure. I, I wish I had the tape. We don't. I'm pretty sure that's a single high look, man-to-man. And you can just sort of read the cornerbacks and the way that they're standing. And if they're standing with facing towards the quarterback with their eyes in the backfield or if they're kind of squared up on the receiver, you get a feel of if it's man-to-man or zone before the snap. And Mac just knew that it was man-to-man, and he knew that he had single high, and he knew that he had Jacoby on the slot fade. And there's just no way that the safety in the middle of the field is going to be able to get there if he puts the ball in the right spot. And it's just a decision that he makes just instantly when the ball is snapped. As soon as he confirms the safety rotation, ball is out to Jacoby Myers. And these types of quick decisions and decisive decisions with the football, that is what Josh McDaniels is looking for. And when he talks about setting the table pre-snap and being able to get everybody positioned pre-snap and understand what the defense is showing you and using all the information at your disposal, that is what they want. Right. right. That, that is what they want out of this offense. And we consistently see that every single practice from Mac. And now we're starting to see it. He's throwing to Jacoby Myers against Jonathan Jones with Dante Hightower and, and Matt Judon. And that, this is the starters, right? These are not right. backup players anymore for Mac Jones. And same with the blitz that I mentioned earlier where he read the hot. That's Josh Uche coming off the edge. That's a player that's going to be right in the mix for the Patriots this year, probably a starter when all things are said and done. So you see all of these things from Mac consistently every single day that he's able to get the offense to the line of scrimmage, read it out pre-snap, confirm it quickly post-snap, and make quick, decisive, accurate decisions with the football. Cam looked great against the Eagles. Cam situation with COVID, I still am not sold that that's going to have a huge say in the starting job because, like you've been saying, Alex, they know he's unvaccinated. Right. They, they know what well, boat they're on with Cam Newton. Right. But the point of the matter is, is that Mac is showing that he is definitely coming. Right. He is coming and he is playing extremely well. Yeah. So I, where it does impact the starting job, I don't think it impacts the starting job for week one. I still think right. pending, pending some further issue where Cam Newton isn't ready to practice next week, right after the Giants. Uh, I, I still think that, that he's the start of week one. What it does do in terms of the starting job is, and I'll go back to my dumb little analogy that I kind of wish I phrased better when I first made it, but we'll stick with it the checklist, right? Mac Jones is a checklist. And he has to check off 150 things before he can start. It's like if you ever played um, NCAA football 14, EA Sports, if you did the road to glory player, you had to reach like, you know, you start as a fourth string. And then once you got a certain level of XP, you were the third string. And then the second, up and up and up, right? Right. Um, This gives Mac more time to gain that XP. It gives him more time to check check things off the list. He threw almost 40 passes today. That's a lot in a training against, practice. Right. Against starting against the first team players. Right. right. Brady, Tom Brady didn't throw 40 pra- passes in a practice. Like he didn't have this workload when he was the unquestioned starter, best quarterback in league MVP. He didn't do this much. So this is an unprecedented amount of time for Mac Jones to gain ground on Cam Newton. Cause this is what I've said all along. The quarterback competition is not about week one. The quarterback competition is how much can Matt close the gap so he doesn't have to do as much once the regular season starts to catch Cam Newton. And this is a great chance for Mac to come in and to close that gap. Yesterday, did a little bit. I don't know that he you know, really seized the opportunity the way we wanted him to. He did that today. Carpe, he, he carpeted some DM today. 
He he did seize the day. What movie is that from? Well, it's just a saying that everybody uses. But I love your analogies. So people Martin. say carpe diem. Oh, it's Rick and Morty. Carpe some diem. I I, I absolutely love how you use analogies from NCA fourteen on this show, though. That, well, that look, that's I I, right I think it's a very very popular game. Can't wait for NCAA twenty three or whatever the first one is back. But I, you know, in the chat, if you played NCA fourteen, especially Road to Glory, I think a lot of people did. It was a fun game mode. You know, show some respect. It, it, you would have enjoyed it, Evan. If you had any semblance of a of fu- fun bone in your body, you would have enjoyed it. I used to play some NCAA. I, I like that. And game. you didn't play. You didn't play Road to Glory. I think I was already out by the time that that game mode oh, came right. in. You were out early. But I was out so early. Road to I, Glory was the mode like instead of controlling one team, you control like one player, and you pick where you go to school, and like you have your career, you try to get drafted. No, like superstar mode. No. Hmm. I, I I remember what you're talking about. I I definitely played it a little bit more on Madden okay. than, than in uh It was different Madden. in the college one. You probably haven't played it in years. I played it like two weeks ago, so <laughs> there you go. Somebody thank you, thank you, Brandon. Thank you, Brandon. Okay. So Brandon, see here they come. Road to Glory, Nebraska. No, great school to pick, great uniforms. I don't know what position you are, but object we'll we'll continue this in the chat. Great pick. <laughs> So Alice is just excited that somebody wants to talk NCAA 14 with him. But we uh, we've done enough, I think, on Mac Jones and Cam Newton. It's the situation hasn't changed all that much. I I still think that the Patriots are. I think there's a bigger plan in place here, right? And and we talked yesterday on the show, Alex, about Miami with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua. They sort of they didn't sort of they decided that they were going to put Tua in what was it week six or seven before the season even started they made that decision at the end of training camp that he was going to be ready by this general time and we want him in there by this general time and they went out and did that regardless of how ryan fitzpatrick was playing and that i do think i don't i don't know what the plan is i don't know if if they have a date picked in mind or we pick in mind that might be too little literal for bill belichick and not enough reacting to the moment and kind of evolving as, with the situation. But I, I still think that they have a bigger picture in mind here. And I don't think that one training camp practice or one week of training camp practices is necessarily going to change their minds completely about the gener- the overall plan that they have at the quarterback position, the big picture plan. But the COVID situation opens the door, right? I mean, that, right. that as G already said, it opens a window of opportunity for Mac Jones. Well, did it open the window or door? Those are two different things. Or is it one of those doors with the window in it? Yeah, both. Because <laughs> there's – I don't think that there was much of an opening before for Mac to start early in the season, week one, whatever you want to call it. I don't think that there was much of a window opening in the window because I don't think that they want to rush Mac Jones out there. I don't think that they feel the need to rush Mac Jones right. out there. But now that this situation has presented itself, and as we've said, it's not even so much about Mac Jones's performance with the reps. It's just the sheer number of reps in general. It's just going to make him more comfortable. It's just going to make him better. It's just going to make him right. adjust to the speed of the NFL and figure out the playbook and learn his receivers and build chemistry with guys like Jacoby Myers and Johnny Smith, who he hit with a bunch of passes out there today as well. That's the ultimate thing. And that kind of segues, segues me into the next point on the offense well, that I wanted no, to bring. Hang on. Let me, let me just add to that real quick. Yeah. Because this is what I've been saying and what people have disagreed with me on. And it kind of backs up what you just said. 
what it comes down to for Mac Jones is experience. It's the one element of his game where he can't, no matter what he does, beat Cam Newton. But the more experience he has, the better. This isn't game experience, but experience is experience. And I'd love for you to answer the question somebody asked about Mac being a fit, but we can skip that one because the way they worded it was fantastic. <laughs> Mac being a fit in the offense? But if you want to scroll back, Michael Aguilar. Um, Evan, now that you see Mac in the system, do you agree that Mac was the QB for us like Alex called it? I just think that's a beautiful way to word that question. I, I, yeah, I mean, he's, he's looked the part. He's definitely done the things that they've asked him to do. And I, I think the biggest thing that you see with him is so many, as I consistently say on this show, so many Patriot like things, right? Attributes yeah. that they look for in quarterbacks. Even let's take Tom Brady out of it. Even guys like what attracted them so much and what they love so much about Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. There's elements of Max game before the snap and then the ability to throw the ball down the field accurately after the snap and on time in rhythm, all those anticipation, all those types of things. The, the fit there is just it's screaming in your face. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's just screaming in your face. But I want to move on from the quarterbacks there. Uh, just sticking with the offense. The one other takeaway that I had from today, and I, I want to call him Mr. Consistent, Mr. Liable. I don't know. 7-Eleven's already been used so many different times, so I feel like that's that nickname is. Yeah, it's been beat today. Charles Johnson sucked, and he was nicknamed 7-Eleven. Well, so, Chris Hogan was nicknamed 7-Eleven for a little while. Was like 10 years later. Oh, speaking uh, of nicknames, by the way, somebody had this in the comments on the last show. Yes. Matt Judon, just calling him the Don. That's not bad. That might be it. That, anyway, that's continue. not bad. So I, I think that the player, maybe 24-7, I don't like 7-11 because it's already been used, like I just said. But the player I'm talking about is Jacoby Myers. He goes out there every single day in practice, and he's not the flashiest receiver. That's probably Nelson Aguilar. He's not the most explosive guy. Maybe that's Aguilar or Johnny Smith, right? Those guys make flashier plays today. John, who made a catch going up above Adrian Phillips and snagged the ball over the middle, made a great catch there. But when you consistently see Jacoby Myers get open day in and day out, and right now he's the straw that stirs the drink. These other guys make the big plays here and there, and those are the guys that maybe they're going to target down the field a little bit more. But the straw that stirs the drink is one Jacoby Myers. He just consistently impresses me today. Six of seven for Mac Jones. Had a deep crosser that Mac overthrew just a little bit. That would have been a walk-in touchdown if he didn't overthrow that pass. So it really should have been seven for seven with three touchdowns in this practice out there today. Really impressive camp, really impressive preseason. Jacoby Myers, don't sleep on him, right? I yeah. This guy's wide receiver one yeah. in my book. Yeah, you know, I think, and that's really what the offense lacked last year, I think more than anything else, was consistency. And, and, you know, you can get into the little reasons for consistency, Cam Newton's accuracy, the wide receiver talent, right, injuries, whatever. But, like, the overarching thing last year was consistency. Because there were moments. There were moments, right? The Seattle game, the comeback against right. the Jets, the the one throw to Demir Bird in Houston, which was probably the best throw of the year. Like, there yeah. were moments of brilliance, and they just couldn't be consistent. And... Myers was the closest thing they had to consistency last year. Unfortunately, he didn't really play. He didn't play the entire season. He played a good chunk of it, but you know, there were some key games early that he was, I don't remember if he was a healthy scratch or if he just didn't play, whatever, but yeah, they need that. You know, that's what they, that's what they missed with Julian Edelman run out eight yards, eight to 12 yards, 
find the hold and coverage, sit down, get the ball, fall down. Like that, it sounds easy. It sounds simple. It's not, but it's so, so important for them to do what they want to do offensively. And you'd like to think Jacoby Myers is going to be that guy. I mean, we've talked about him and Edelman's role. He's talked about his relationship with Julian Edelman and how he kind of followed him around for the last two years. But, you know, this is this is what you hope he can be. It's impressive that he can get open over the top of the defense too. Like on the slot fade today in practice, he's not supposed to win on that route, right? He he's a four six guy. He's a high. Maybe he's faster than that. Maybe he just well, ran a bad. I mean, he's that working day, against. But, he's working against a slot corner, so it's all relative. I guess so. But Jonathan Jones is one of the fastest guys, yeah. in the league, and the fastest player on the team, according to Matt. Right, and he's. Not He shouldn't get open over the top on Jonathan Jones, and he's still able to do it because of his releases and because of his suddenness and his explosiveness. He's still able to do it. There was also a route over the middle in the red zone, low red zone, where he just paced it out extremely well. He let the vertical clear it out, and then he just he kind of paused almost, and, and you, you, thought, you thought, like, the controller broke, right, to use one of your video game references. There we go. You thought the controller broke for a second, and then once the coverage kind of went upfield with the rest of the receivers, he then broke it out quickly on a slant and exploded through the route, and boom, touchdown, right? These are just consistent plays that you see out of Jacoby every single day. Extremely impressive. The other offensive storyline or – Well, so hang on real real quick with that because somebody somebody asked in the chat how Jacoby gets open, and and this is kind of what we're explaining, and I want to – you know. I want to give him the credit for this because it's really impressive what he does. Right. And I want people to understand it. And he's talked about before. Remember, Jacoby Myers originally was recruited in college as a quarterback. And he's talked in the past about still seeing the game through a quarterback's eyes. And Julian Edelman, same thing, right? Former quarterback. It's He gets open with his brain. And and that, you know. And quickness. More, and quickness, quickness is part of it. It's, you know. Against zone coverage, for instance, right? There's going to be holes in zone coverage. That's the way the zone works. He's able to, like a quarterback, read the zone, figure out where the hole is going to be, whatever, you know, oh, does he have a specific route? To to marry those two concepts would take us 15 minutes to explain. End of the day, he knows how to get to the spot that he needs to be in that's also holding the zone, get there, and catch the ball. And that that's exactly what Julian Edelman did. That's how Julian Edelman won. And then you use that quickness to kind of take it to another level after the catch, et cetera or even before the catch, you know, quickness comes into play in man coverage, but that's what Jacoby's doing. They need somebody to do that. This offense doesn't run unless you have somebody going out eight to 12 yards and sitting down in the hole in the zone that the whole thing, everything else is built from that starting point. So, right. And that's that's, why the the fact he's doing that is great. And not to bring this always, it's harder than it sounds. Sorry. It's harder than it sounds. It sounds easy. Oh, so he just runs over and stands there. Right. A lot harder than it sounds. Yeah, and the the ability to beat man coverage all comes from his feet, right? And he's he's extremely quick in and out of his breaks. He's extremely quick at the line of scrimmage, efficient at the top of the route, doesn't have any wasted steps, doesn't drift in his routes, extremely good at coming downhill on the top of the route as well. But you see all of these these movements it's not just quickness. What I, I think it's explosiveness, right? It's sudden explosiveness. It's in, it's not necessarily explosiveness in the same way that Nelson Aguilar gets over the top of the defense and runs a go route or a deep post. It's sudden explosiveness in that, that three by three area, right? And just right. being able to change gears and all of a sudden go from basically jogging to all out 
cut speed and, and going 100 miles an hour through the break, those types of sudden movements are really, really difficult because corners sit there and they try to read it out and they try to feel it out. And then all of a sudden, boom, he's he's open. Right. And that that's what Jacoby Myers brings to the table. And, and not to relate this all, all the way back to the quarterbacks always, but the I mean, one but that's thing, football. The, as, as you said, the foundation of this offense, and there's a play that I want to put up on Twitter after this. You can guess, but I don't know if you're going to get this one. Haas, why juke? No. Okay. It's a play by Mac Jones. Oh, like where, a specific play. Yeah, I, I, I get what yeah. You're against right. the Eagles uh, in, on the on the tape that really stood out to me because all the downfield throws are great, yada, 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 whatever, right? But this throw is third and seven in the red zone, money down, and they have a three-by-one formation. Gunner is the inside man in the slot on the three-receiver side. They run post-wheel to clear out the coverage, and all they do is get Gunner open at the sticks on a little option route, and Mac Jones just reads out the leverage and throws the football, right? So that, right. to me, like you said, that third and seven play where the guy the receiver reads out the coverage, beats a man, man to man, gets open at eight yards, sits down somewhere and moves the chains. That's the Patriots offense. And that's what we consistently see Mac be able to operate in is that those quick passes, those quick decisions, the move the chains types of throws, the consistency there from Mac Jones has really been off the charts all training camp and preseason. Regardless of who he's going up against, the processes there are really, really clean. And I, I think is the most important thing. The other thing I wanted to mention just quickly about the offense, it was a non-padded practice out there today, so not much to yeah glean on the offensive line or the defensive line. But on terms of what we saw out of the Patriots receivers, am I, am I going too far to say that the Patriots almost missed Nikhil Harry a little bit on the outside? Cause I talked about this with you after practice that over the last two days, they attempted a goal line fade to Nelson Aguilar incomplete they attempted a goal line fade to Kendrick Bourne, incomplete. And then Gunner gets muscled off the spot by J.C. Jackson on a slant where he's giving up some size and certainly giving up some play physicality. And when I look at these receivers that they have when Nikhil isn't out there, yeah, they have Johnny. Hunter Henry didn't practice full today, but they technically would have Hunter Henry as well. But when I look at these receivers, Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, uh, Gunner, if he's going to be out there for his uh, receiver snaps, not a ton of size, right? There's just not a ton of size and there's not a ton of ability to on the outside go up there and win that jump ball. It, that's not the most, the highest percentage throw in the world. So I'm okay with the fact right. that they're not going to throw that all the time anyways. But in terms of having some size out there and having some ability to just be a big body target on the outside, unless you're going to consistently flex out Janu or Hunter Henry and trust them to basically run X receiver routes, Nikhil Harry's size is something that has stood out all throughout camp to me and watching them practice without him over the last couple of days, it has stood out that they haven't had that option outside the numbers in terms of size and ability to win on contested catches. Yeah, I, they're missing size. I don't know that it has to be Nikhil Harry. Obviously, sure. he's been very good, and he, you know, it's convenient. All right, you're missing size. You have a big receiver who wasn't out there, but you know, I I would say in the same breath. All right, and they're missing Hunter Henry, who was in a non-contact jersey today. So, uh, you know, they're missing size. You're right. I I think having Nikhil back certainly helps with that, but I I don't know that Nikhil is the 
lone solution. Like, I don't know that you put Daniel back in the lineup and the size thing is fixed. I think Hunter Henry is a big part of that equation. And even with both of those guys, I don't know that, you know, another, I don't know if there's room on the roster for another big body, but I don't know that adding another big body hurts either. So yeah, no, they, they, they missed Nikhil. There was a play yesterday too, where they threw a fade to the back corner to Nelson Aguilar and JC Jackson just bullied him out of the spot and he didn't pick it off. He broke it up, but I, I turned to either you or Matt Dolph and I said, yeah, they throw that plate in the kills. It's a touchdown. Right. So yeah, no, size is, size is an issue, but I, I think it goes beyond Nikhil Harry. I think it's missing Nikhil Harry and missing Hunter Henry and still maybe not quite being there. Right. I just but, wonder. But Nikhil helps. Nikhil helps. It's easy to sit here and say that you just, just flex out Hunter Henry or just flex out Johnny, but having a tight end like those guys run detached from the formation, basically, like I said earlier, lining up as an ex receiver. That's a lot easier said than done in, in a lot of ways, right? Tight end right. route trees, tight end routes in general are much different from wide receiver routes. You're running inside the formation. Sometimes you're running with your hand in the dirt out, off the line of scrimmage in that sense. But mostly re- tight ends, even guys like Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, these pass catching tight ends are in line or in the slot. They're very few reps. Do you actually get true outside work from a tight end? So I don't, I don't know. They, it's just something that's, that's caught my eye that they've been down at the goal line and the defense is clearly all over Johnny Smith and trying to take away anything over the middle of the Johnny and Jacoby Myers is also getting some extra attention and they're trying to push the ball outside the numbers and Aguilar's not, that's not Aguilar's game. That's not really Kendrick right. Bourne's game and they just don't have anybody else to win that one-on-one matchup on the well, right. You know, Hunter, again, I, I go back to Hunter, Nikhil and, and Hunter Henry as well. I know you're saying, that, right. you know, running from the X's, the tight end's a little different, but especially down there in the red zone close to the goal line, there's ways to maybe manufacture size, sure. even without having that true X on the field. You know, you can find mismatches. They're very, this is this is something that they've always been very good at. Granted, that was with Tom Brady, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, a couple of more things from today's practice, and I want to get to some of the uh, roster moves that the Patriots made this afternoon to get down to 80 and also adding uh, tight end Kahale Waring. Who yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Made me excited. But let's get into two more things here really quickly. First one, J.C. Jackson, awesome day out there today. Two interceptions for J.C. in 11-on-11s. Uh, got all over Gunner on that slant route joked after practice that he needed to get him back for the play at the end of practice on Monday, comes back today, makes the drives on the ball, basically the same exact play. Yeah. And was able to make the play and and get the interception. Also made a great interception of Brian Hoyer ranging over the top of the defense, kind of replacing the post safety in the deep part of the coverage and, and being able to run the ball down in the middle of the field there. I, I think that there's been, there's been a lot of, people on my Twitter that have been tweeting at me saying, you've been saying a lot that JC Jackson, not that I've written that JC Jackson's been not playing up to CB one status, but that a lot of guys are beating JC Jackson, right? I highlight a throw and it happens to be on JC Jackson. Like yesterday I tweet out that Gunner beat JC Jackson on a slant. How have you felt that JC Jackson has practiced so far in camp? And do you see him taking the next step here this year? Yeah, I think he's been great. I said in, in the, the training camp headlines today for 98.5, you can check those out on the 98.5 Instagram page, that I I, I think he's been stellar. I think he's been one of their best defensive players this, this summer. It's been him or, or Adrian Phillips. And, you know, it's, it's so tough for corners between the non-contact and 
it's just different seven on seven, 11 on 11. It's just, right. you, or not, uh, you know, 11 on 11, uh, not se- 11 on 11. Sorry. It's just different seven on seven and one on one. Right. You it's a, you need the whole team on defense. You know, you may play certain routes where you have help over the top and then you're doing that in one and on one. And obviously there's no help over the top. And yeah, you want to think a guy can do that anyway, but it just, it changes things. So the reps that really matter, the opportunities he's truly had, JC Jackson has been excellent and they need him to be excellent. They, right. they have no other option for him than him being excellent this year if they want to win football games. But I, I am by no means concerned. I, I see no major red flags in the way JC Jackson's performed this summer. I think, you know, with whatever it is, two, three practices to go, he's been, he's done as much as you can ask. I agree. I think he's been good. And I think in some situations, I wonder, and today wasn't the day to ask him because he had such a good day. So it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the right moment to ask him, but I did also want to ask him how much, how much do you try to do things a little bit differently, kind of test the waters a little bit on certain things, learn from certain things and, and just try things out in practice, right? Because we know that J.C. Jackson can play man-to-man coverage with the best of them, right? You put him in press man coverage, he's as good as almost anybody at doing that on the outside. But in practice and in games, as he said last year, J.C. mentioned nobody's going to throw the the ball deep on me. Everybody knows that I'm great at defending the deep ball. They're going to try to beat me in other ways. And, And beating him underneath the defense, whether it be a slant or a cross or a dig route or whatever the case may be, the teams had found a little bit of success doing that, right? They, they have no success throwing the ball over the, in, over the top on JC Jackson. But if you're going to throw at him, the best way to throw it at him is to throw it underneath him, right? And, and try to make him cover an in-breaking route. So I do wonder some of the, the slip-ups that we've seen, has he been trying some new things to maybe cover the in-breakers a little bit better this year than what he has in the past? And you learn from it, right? And he practices the time that you take some chances and you try to learn some new things or try out some new things. So some of the times that you say, oh, J.C. Jackson was beat on this play, was beat on that play, I do wonder how much of it is that as well because – Again, when he locks in and he's just playing straight up man coverage, he's as good as everybody out there, if not better, right? So I, I also don't see much concern. I'm sure that once we get into the season, you're going to see him locked all the way in. The last thing that I wanted to mention on Tuesday, the kicker competition. Took- oh, wait, 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 before we get to that, your boy Yadni had another good day. He did. That. Yadni's great. Yadni is huh. great. I love this. I think this is a great story, right? Like, it really, it really is. If this player from well, sitting out two years can come and actually, even if he just makes the roster, right? And even if he's just a, a swing tackle in his NFL career, even if he just pans out to be Leadrian Waddle, that's still a great story. Cause this oh, yeah. is, a, this is a guy that probably shouldn't be here right now. That he's been hurt for two straight years, just IR'd during training camp, no chance to make the team, right? No chance to be active during the season. Comes back in year three and has played extremely well from, I would say, the end of Eagles joint practices on, right? It, it started yeah. slow. It looked ugly against Washington. And now he's been able to get to from basically last week on very, very solid. And and who knows what it will end up becoming. Who knows if he'll end up becoming a star? Probably not. Right. Who knows if he'll end up becoming a starter? Who knows? But at the end of the day, he's looked great it was for the last week or so. And I love it. I think that's a great story. 
Yeah, no, it absolutely is. And and they need him too. They need him. It's not like some, oh, it's a feel-good story, but is there room on the roster? They need that depth on the offensive line. I mean, him yeah. continuing to play like this and making the team makes the team better. So, yeah. you know, sometimes you have those guys that are fun stories, but it, it's just not in the cards. No, this is, I mean, there's a legitimate spot for him to help this team, which makes it all the more fun. Yeah, don't sleep on Alex Redmond. I agree in the chat. Don't sleep on him. Uh, great I, great I, tape I, against Philadelphia. Blocks angry. Interior guy that can help out. We both know we had, I think we both might have had seven or eight offensive linemen on our last 53 man roster projections. And we both know that it's going to be more than that, right? Yeah. I mean, it has to be more than that. I don't know if they would go Redmond over Ference just because of Ference's ability to play center, but Redmond can probably play both guard spots and he's a, he's a mean guy. He's a, he's a, lunch pail, put your hard hat on, and he blocks extremely hard. And they like that. They like guys that motors run hot, that they're physical, that they finish. They they like that type of stuff. They they have that old school mentality for sure. Yeah, I I'm still not sold on Redmond. I he struggled a lot okay. at the beginning of camp. He did. And I just I look, I know we're we're supposed to I've been the one that oh the more important stuff's at the end. I just I can't get and I normally like professional athletes named Alex. I'm normally super into it. It's fun for me. But I just I don't know. I can't get into it. I we'll see. Maybe it changes. I feel like I'm picking on the guy. Like he doesn't he hasn't done anything to me personally. Just I just let's watch him the next couple of days against okay. the Giants. Let's watch him on Sunday. If, if he puts another good tape out there on Sunday, I, I, I think he I think he has a chance. I, I do. I think All he right. I think he plays the position the way that they like. Okay, kickers. Quinn Nordine, not so hot. Today, I would say he was kicking on the narrow post, which is obviously much harder than the regular post. So I'll give him that. But what do you think about this situation, Alex? How, what, what were you thinking about Quinn Nordine today? Because he was two for five. Some people might have had him three for five, depending on your judgment call of the regular goal, goal posts. But I would say there were a couple of kicks that were just nowhere close. Right. I mean, they were, they were wide left, wide right shanks. And maybe the skinny goalpost gets in your head a little bit and you're just trying to be too perfect. I don't know. But how do you feel about Quinn Nordine today? Cause Nick Folk was yesterday. Quinn Nordine seemed to be have the day today in terms of kicking. Yeah. It's so tough to tell because they have done field goal block drills this year and some of those misses were bad, like bad. So. I don't know. It feels kind of mental at this point. I, I, I'm i still where I'm at. I, it's either Nick Folk or they go elsewhere. I don't think Nordine's ready. I think they get him on the practice squad. I'm not giving up on him long term. I'd like to see him next summer after he has a full season to work with, you know, Cam Accord and his coaching staff. But right. I, yeah, I just, I, I don't think he's there. Me, me neither. All right, moving on from that, let's talk some Kahale warring. Let's also talk the roster cuts that the Patriots made today. I don't think there were any real surprises. Devin Ross, Malik Gant, RJ Prince, who we both thought were was going to get cut from the 90 to the 85. So that one was really not a surprise. And uh, who am I forgetting? Oh, Brian Corey, the, the long snapper, of course, is not going to make the team with Joe Cardona here. So those four cuts were not a surprise. Marcus Martin goes on IR. That's the fifth move to get down to 80. But then the Patriots play, placed a waiver claim for a tight end, Kahale Waring from the Houston Texans. And Kale Waring is a player that I scouted out of San Diego State. 
and absolutely loved what I saw there. It's a ball of clay. And they can afford to do that because they have Hunter Henry. They have Johnny. I think Devin Asiasi and Matt Lacoste are both further along than Kahale Waring is at this point. He was extremely late to football. Started playing football his senior year of high school. Basically had no offers coming out of high school. Goes to San Diego State to play both football and, no joke, water polo. Also, really good water polo player. And he's just got a ton of raw upside and athletic abilities. Six foot five, six foot six, 250 pounds and moves extremely well. So this is a developmental ball of clay for the Patriots at the tight end position. If this was last year and the Patriots signed a guy like Kahale Waring, you would sit there and say, what are we doing at tight end? But now that they have Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith, these are the types of guys you want to get in here, maybe keep on the practice squad for the year and see if you can develop him. So he kind of reminds me of another guy, the Patriots. I don't know if they claimed him off waivers or signed, like throwaway tight end from the Texans. That's Steven Anderson. And obviously Anderson, yeah. I, I think he actually played 16 games last year. He did. So he did turn into, you know, a real player, but it, just at, you know, big athletic tight end. A really? Guy that, like well. you said, ball of clay that they can just kind of mold and turn into somebody. He's probably a longer term project player. Uh, I still think Devin Asiasi gets that third spot. You know, maybe, maybe they had their heart set on keeping four tight ends and Matt Lacoste won't be back in time. He would be a good replacement for Matt Lacoste. But I think with 16 spots on the practice squad now instead of 10, Teams are just kind of looking – they're looking a little deeper there, right? Right. And, and also you can keep more players. You know, it's not just rookies and second-year guys. So I think Warring would still be eligible anyway. But, yeah, no, I, I I don't know that this move impacts 2021 at all, but I think he's a good player to have in the building. And now they have him in the building. Right. I, I spoke to Steph Stradley, who covers the Texans down there for the Houston Chronicle, and she said that Kale Warring's had some moments in training camp, certainly, where it has flash, and he's got really great speed and footwork for a guy of his size, like a, a rare size speed type of prospect. Very, very raw. Like I said, late to football, didn't play much football growing up. So we'll see what happens. I, I, I think that that's a nice pick up for this time of year just to have him on stash him on the practice squad i saw somebody ask was he a better prospect coming out than dalton keen i thought he was a better prospect coming out than dalton keen he was drafted right around that tight end uh there's a bunch of tight ends drafted the patriots started with aussie aussie and that kind of snowballed into everybody picking up a tight end from that third to the fourth round there. That's why the Patriots came back up and got Dalton Keene because they were worried that he was going to go before their next pick. And it was a, a lot of tight ends in that area. So I can't remember exactly if, uh, if Warring went before Keene, but I thought that Warren was a better prospect. I thought he was a better downfield receiver than what Dalton Keene had showed in college. Dalton Keene showed absolutely nothing as a downfield receiver. And and so it was, it was, I thought Kahale Warren was a better prospect. It's good to see them. They obviously liked him when they scouted him, right? They obviously liked him in the draft. Right. As well. So that was, that was, it was a good, good little signing. I like it. Good little was signing. that you, you were asking who went higher in the draft? Yes. Well, they were, they were different years. Were they different years? Warring was 19. Keen was 20. Oh, wow. Okay. That, so, that, but, that's where my well, brain is at. But, so this is interesting. Warring, 80, 86th overall pick. 
You know who the 87th overall pick in that draft was? Damien Harris. Damien Harris. That's yeah. Right. Okay. So, so that's that draft. See, I sometimes I, it's funny. I looked up. Together. I looked up wearing earlier just to get like his information to write the post for 98.com. And I see just Texans fans bitching that they didn't get Damien Harris, you know, like, Oh, we look who went the next pick. I'm like, that's, that's us. That's it's normally, we're normally the ones doing that. Oh, look who went the next pick. Look who we could have had, you know, that's normally Patriots fans. But yeah, Texans fans were on that one bad today with Damien Harris and warring. So now the Pats have both. So there you go. That's a win. But Bill Belichick can't draft. So whatever. Okay, Alex. So let's wrap this up. One thing you are looking for out of joint practices tomorrow with the New York Giants, not Mac Jones. You can't say Mac. We're, we're obviously going to all be watching Mac. Is there, is there one the thing? Biggest single training camp practice in Patriots history. Yes. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you one. Uh, I'm looking at the Giants corners. I okay. am looking at the Giants corners. I what about their think- kicker? Nah. Yeah, I watched, we talked about that yesterday. What? Santoso? Right. He didn't wow me. He didn't, okay. he didn't, he's all right. No, the corners. I still think that outside corner is going to be a need for this team. We know Bill Belichick likes going and getting guys. He's facing joint practices. I don't know that the Giants cornerback depth is super deep, but, you know, for the right offer, it, it, if you're going to make Nikhil Harry available, I don't think they would trade Sony Michelle. But if you're going to make Sony Michelle available and they could use some depth at running back, especially that kind of back, um, I'm going to keep an eye on it. Because I could see somebody. The other guy I'm going to keep an eye on. I forgot about this. Sandro Platzgummer. Sandro Platzgummer, the Austrian running back. He's their Jakob Johnson. Okay. He's international yeah, pathway yeah. player. In the first preseason game, he had like a 60-yard run or something, and the Giants went nuts. And I just – I looked into his game a little bit. He's one of those backs that's not really good at anything, but he's not bad at anything, right? He does a little bit of everything. That's Bill's kind of back. You know, he looks kind of like a poor man's Rex Burkhead. We know Bill likes the international pathway guys. Maybe not this year, but a year or two down the road. Like, he's a guy I could see them pursuing. So, and he's like this, like, fun, goofy story in New York this year. I mean, Platzgummer, what a name. So, I'm looking forward to getting on on that bandwagon a little bit. Big Platzgummer guy over here. There's some stat out there about Bill Belichick, especially when they hold these joint practices. They The Patriots always bring in somebody from one of these joint practice right. camps, right? They always bring in a, in a player that they like scouting. So whether it's a corner, whether it's the kicker, whether it's this running back that's from Europe and international pathway program type what? thing. Yeah. I do believe Saquon Barkley is supposed to practice, which is going to be fun. That that will be interesting to see how the Patriots linebackers and safeties are able to handle Saquon Barkley. So it'll, it will be a really fun couple of days. The other thing I'm going to look for, is are the Giants potentially Nikhil Harry suitors? Because Nikhil oh, Harry's hurt, interesting. but Joe Judge was his position coach for at least a year. I, I, definitely right. a year. I don't know if it was two. Joe Judge was his position coach for a period of time. He knows Nikhil Harry extremely well from that. I, I don't know. The Giants, they have some receivers, but they also could maybe use one more. I We'll see what they look like, right? And, uh, and and we'll see what happens. And, yes, one more time, I do not need to be impartial. Jerry Hughes, I hope that's not the Jerry Hughes that plays for the Bucs. <laughs> that would be hilarious. If, if but, he's watching, he can say whatever he wants. I'm honored. I, this is an opinion-based show. This is a, this is a take space program. In case you didn't know how podcasts 
or Sports Radio Works, we come on here and we give our opinions about what we see and what we feel about this team. This is not the 5 o'clock news. Okay? So Thank you. can I – well, it's not 5 o'clock news. It's on at 6 o'clock. Can I give you – all right, you're going to talk about Nikhil. I'll, I'll, I'll throw one out here. And I don't entirely know what this player's situation is. Josh Jackson is – Josh Jackson? No, did I get that right? Yeah, Josh Jackson <laughs> – is a corner for the Giants. They just acquired him via trade from the from Packers. Green Bay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So he had really good college tape. More of a zone I, guy than a man guy, but yeah, good player. But, but here he's a big physical corner. Yeah. He's like he looks like the Patriots kind of corner. The Giants don't have tremendous cornerback depth, but I don't think he's a starter because they have a Dory Jackson who's going to be ahead of him, and James Bradbury should be ahead of him too. I would think. So he. Again, I just I'm looking at this very briefly. I'm obviously not down there at Giants camp every day, but right. he kind of seems like he's in a similar position to where Nikhil is. Now the difference is they just traded for him. So they clearly have a purpose for him. Nikhil wants out of New England. I don't know that they'd move him, but I I really I just I didn't even realize he was on the Giants. I just looked at that. He's a guy I again I really liked coming out of Iowa. I really thought would be a Patriots kind of corner. I know you said he's his own guy, but just the way he manhandles receivers at the lines at the line you can't help but see patriots so yeah. could he get traded twice in one off season where do things have happened so he, he if, went to uh, iowa right that that was so they yeah they were, iowa uh second round pick in 2018 right. by the packers yeah no i yeah, i remember traded vividly, in, oh he got traded like a week ago yeah oh, i so remember vividly watching his watching his tape he's probably I remember not, all, he's everything not. about it Really good ball hawk and zone coverage. Iowa was a really zone heavy team. A lot of teams in college are really zone heavy. So there's not a whole lot of teams. Bama, Georgia, maybe a couple of teams in the, in the Ohio State region that played true man to man, right? So I don't know. It's not a, it's not exactly a systemic fit necessarily, but I, I love the skill set. Stylistic. I, I, yeah. It's a stylistic fit. Although I, he was traded on August 17th. So that's right. I think that's literally a week ago, a week ago today. So I, I don't know if he's somebody you can get, but I like him for the Patriots. I do. So we'll see. Okay. I like it. I just look at the giants roster. Look for other people that the Patriots might be interested in, whether it's the giants or it's the Eagles. You have to think that they are going to pick up somebody from one of these joint practices that that stood out to them. Alex and I are both going to be out there at joint practices on Wednesday and Thursday. We're going to do the podcast Wednesday night, probably around the same time as we have the last couple of days to break down everything that happens on Wednesday. Going to be a fun day. Going to be a Mac day, right? They're going to be all Mac, and it's going to be really fun to see how it looks. Practice in Patriots training camp history. The biggest single practice in Patriots training camp history. Buckle up. Fair enough. And then Thursday is going to be really fascinating too, just because Cam should be back, right? So you're, right. you're going to see Cam come back and how that dynamic plays out and all these types of things. So we'll be back on the podcast tomorrow night, like I said, to break down day one of joint practices with the New York Giants. But until then, signing off for Alex Barth, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for watching, everybody.